Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit This is the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Hi, I'm Seth. And I'm Patrick. This was a long read. This is a long chapter. That being said, I'm not sure why I warn you guys, but this is a long one. And we're here tonight to talk about chapter 40, The Wheel Weaves. And our symbol is the sunburst for Galad. And the wheel weaves, I would assume, is just the coincidence of running into him again. This is, I think, uh, Jordan hanging a lantern on it, being like, yeah, yeah, I know this is a coincidence, but, you know, the wheel weaves. Deal with it. I think it's at the end of this chapter, too, where Nynaeve glowered. Of course I am certain. Coincidences do happen. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills, as you may have heard. She literally says that. <laughs> I highlighted okay, that. Okay, Moraine. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, I did definitely did too. As you may have heard. <laughs> what a jerk. As soon as the building hid Galad, Nynaeve's eyes darted down the street, ahead. Fury bubbled up at herself as much as Galadrid de Madrid. You witless woolhead. It was a narrow way, like all the rest, paved with rounded stones, lined with gray shops and houses and taverns, populated with a scattered afternoon crowd. If you hadn't come into town, he'd never have found you. Too scattered to hide anyone. You had to go see the prophet. You had to go believing the prophet would whisk you away before Mogedian gets here. When are you going to learn you can't depend on anyone but yourself? In an instant, she made her choice. When Galad turned that corner and did not see them, he would begin looking into shops and maybe taverns as well. This way, gathering her skirts, she darted into the nearest alley and pressed her back against the wall. No one glanced at her twice, furtive as she was, and what that had to say about the way things were in Samara she did not want to consider. Uno and Regan were beside her before she finished settling her feet, crowding her farther down the dusty dirt alleyway, past an old splintered bucket and a rain barrel dried to the point of collapse inside its hoops. At least they were doing what she wanted, in a manner of speaking. Tense hands on long sword hilts rising above their shoulders, they were ready to protect her, whether she desired it or not. Let them, you fool. Do you think you can protect yourself? She was certainly angry enough. Gallad, of all people. She should never have left the menagerie. A fool whim, and one that might ruin everything. She could no more channel here against Masima. Just the possibility that Magedi and her black sisters were in Samara made her dependent on two men for her safety. It was enough to screw her anger tight, 
She could have chewed a hole in the stone wall behind her. She knew why I said I had warders, all but reds anyway. In her head, she did. In her heart. It just made her want to snarl. Gallet appeared, threading his way slowly through the folk out in the street, eyes searching. By all reason, he should have gone on by. He should have. Yet almost immediately his gaze settled on the alleyway. On them. He did not even have the grace to appear pleased or surprised. Uno and Regan moved together, as Galad turned toward the alley. The one-eyed man had his sword out in the blink of an eye, and Regan was scarcely slower, for all he paused to push her deeper into the narrow passage. They positioned themselves one behind the other. Should Galad make it past Uno, he would still have Regan to face. Nynaeve ground her teeth. She could make all these swords unnecessary, useless. She could sense the true source, like a light unseen over her shoulder, waiting for her embrace. She could do it, if she dared. Galad stopped at the alley mouth, cloak thrown back, one hand resting nonchalantly on his sword hilt. A picture of spring steel grace. Except for his burnished mail, he could have been at a ball. I do not want to kill either of you, Shinarin, he said calmly to Uno. Nynaeve had heard Elaine and Gawain speak of Galad's sword skill, but for the first time she realized that he might really be as good as they said. At least, he thought he was. Two seasoned soldiers with blades bare, and he eyed them as a wolfhound would eye a pair of lesser dogs, not seeking a fight, yet utterly confident he could take both. Never quite looking away from the two men, he addressed her. Someone else might have run into a shop or an inn, but you never do what's expected. Will you let me speak with you? There is no need to make me kill these men. None of the passerby were stopping, but even with three men blocking her view, she could see heads swiveling for a glimpse of what had drawn the white cloak, and plainly taking in the swords. Rumors would be hatching in all those mines and taking flight on wings that made duck swallows seem slow. Let him by, she commanded. When Uno and Regan did not budge, she repeated herself, even more firmly. They did move aside then, slowly, as much as the narrow alley would allow. Yet though neither said a word, there was an air of muttering about them. Galad came by smoothly, seeming to forget the Shinarans. She suspected that believing so would be a mistake. The top-knotted men, plainly, did not. Aside from one of the Forsaken, she could not imagine a man she would less like to see right then, but with that face in front of her, she was all too conscious of her own breathing, her own heartbeat. It was ludicrous. Why could the man not be ugly, or at least plain? You knew I knew you were following. Accusation rang strongly in her voice, though she was not sure what she was accusing him of. Not doing what she had expected and wanted, she imagined ruefully. I assumed as much as soon as I recognized you, Nynaeve. I remember that you generally see more than you let on. She would not let him divert her with compliments. Look where that had gotten her with Val and Luca. What are you doing in Gildan? I thought you were on your way to Altara. For a moment, he stared down at her with those dark, beautiful eyes, then abruptly laughed. In all the world, Nynaeve, only you would ask me the question I should be asking you. Very well, I'll answer you, for all it should be the other way around. I did have orders for Saladar, in Altara, but all changed when this prophet fellow... What is the matter? Are you well? Nynaeve forced her face to smoothness. Of course not, she said irritably. My health is quite good, thank you very kindly. Saladar, of course. And that's why I let that run so long. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to hit that realization. Yeah. <laughs> that that name that Nynaeve has been bouncing around inside her head and hasn't been able to come up with just 
And I feel like that's a very real moment. I've had so many of those in my life where you're trying to think of something desperately and someone mentions Calidar, it. Calidar? Like, Salazar? Uh, what? Right. <laughs> what was it again? Ralador? <laughs> and we pointed out that he actually did say it earlier, and she points that out here as well. Yeah. So it's like, it does, it's just, you have to be listening to the right thing at the right time. And I love Jordan's little, the way he threads that through. It's brilliant. <laughs> a couple of things in that read i think she's winding herself up to be angry at the men helping her just in order to get angry in case she needs to protect herself yeah i mean i think she does this unconsciously she like stokes her rage and then lets it go sometimes lets it go in the form of fireballs (laughs) and various other things here's a good question why was galad going to be sent to solidar why is there a bunch of white cloaks heading in that direction and why has that now changed towards saladar i don't know yeah so he originally had orders to go there did they notice that did you know patron nile notice there was a gathering of people in that area and send some white cloaks to investigate probably i mean the white cloaks are right on the other side of the river right yeah yeah i think it would be hard not to notice all that activity hundreds of people you can't really hide that I don't think they know everything. But I guess once they realized the Prophet was actually amassing an army inside their border, they probably, like, diverted all resources to, like, deal with the Prophet. Yeah, and unless Galad is meaning toward Saladar, or in the direction of Saladar, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, you can get on a bus that's toward St. John's, but you, you may not be going to St. John's. It's just, that's the end of the line. He says, I have orders for Saladar, not towards Saladar. Yeah, yeah. I also like how much she's letting him get away with. Just She's like, wait, am I doing this because he's cute? <laughs> Stop complimenting me. I, and she like gets offended when he like asks about Egwene and Elaine first and like mentions her to afterthought. She's like, what, am I not... Am I not pretty enough? What's going on with that? Like, I mean, that's a real thing in regular human interactions. I catch myself having a similar thoughts at work all the time. Like, is this person less annoying than everyone else who has this question because they're pretty? Yes. The answer is probably yes. <laughs> she would not let him divert her with compliments. Look where that had gotten her with Fallon Luca, which just tells you everything you need to know about her relationship with Fallon Luca, <laughs> who's also a fairly attractive man who compliments her. Yeah. Oh, and guys, so Nynaeve's like, Galad, get out of here. He doesn't answer and tries to force his way through Uno and Regan. Who wins? Nynaeve doesn't channel. Galad versus the two Shinarans? Galad. Absolutely. They're good soldiers, but he's... They're very good soldiers, but he's often outclassed multiple other soldiers on the battlefield. (laughs) Margo says Galad wins. They aren't Matt. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But they are seasoned, grizzled soldiers. It's possible that they may take him out. It may be like a mutual destruction type situation, where like I could see, but mm, the Sharnarans would be probably play dirty, you know, throw a dust in your eye type thing. But man, Galad is an amazing swordsman. And he like, he is that good. He is the best swordsman of the modern age, besides probably Lan. Ran's up there somewhere. Oh, I mean, he lands definitely ahead of him. So does it go land, Galad, Rand? Hard to say. Probably. A Galad, Rand fight would be interesting. Brother against brother. Two of the best swordsmen. 
And then, of course, you have another question. One-handed Galad versus one-handed Rand. You notice both brothers lose a hand. I think you got Land top, then Demandred, then Galad, then Rand. So I do think that Rand would be beaten by Demandred. I think Demandred was just better. He was always a better swordsman, I think. LTT was never the best swordsman out of the group. That was never his main goal. And certainly after he gains LTT's memories and fully integrates them, Rand levels up, right? Because he gets all the practice, all the experience that Lewis Theron had in the Age of Legends. Like, he remembers that and gets that, which is hundreds of years. But I think even back then, you know, they talk about how much better Demondred got in the Third Age. Like, he really devoted himself to learning after he got out of the boar and really got better at being a swordsman than he ever was during the Age of Legends. And even during the Age of Legends, he probably outclassed LTT. Over the next couple of pages, Scalad basically chastises a grimacing Nynaeve who's trying to just sort of let him believe the things that he believes about right. the women and how they need protection. And she's not going to fill in all the points that he's missing on purpose. It's a very Aes Sedai manipulation conversation. He thinks he's he thinks she's agreeing with him, and she's just saying, "Yeah, you think that." <laughs> An interesting theory, right? The evidence might suggest that. Yes, that's possible. <laughs> I suppose I see that how you could believe you're correct. <laughs> he's like, "You're not mixed up on this with with a prophet." He, I heard he was Shinaran. These two are not the prophet. <laughs> Totally ignoring, she just came from a meeting with him. Yeah. <laughs> where he, he, she got him to agree to help her. But he finally gets her to, to agree, basically, to let him find a ship for them. Which is great, because now she has two powerful men looking for transportation for her and Elaine. Who are already on an edge of fighting. I'm sure that won't cause any problems. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh wait, yes it does. Yeah, so she's so she sends Galad and the White Cloaks, the leader of the White Cloaks, after a ship, and then she sends the prophet. And like I think it's only a matter of time, like he says here, it's really a matter of time until the, the fight was gonna happen. But she does certainly create the instigating incident. Everyone save us. All at once. I don't have a lot more between the conversation between Galad and Nynaeve. Other than she's just got a lot of self-doubt. She's like, oh my god, I can't believe I've run into him. I'm going to mess this all up. You know, she is just coming off her decision that caused Brigida and she's bar- uh, to be pulled out of Teleron Riyadh, and she's barely over that. So Nynaeve is still in a very sort of fragile place in terms of her own decision-making and where she is in terms of, like, her confidence level. It's all over the place from, like, paragraph to paragraph. Yeah, a lot of Galad trying to protect them. Nynaeve eventually accepts that he'll help find the ladies a boat. Because they agreed to go to Camelin, right? <clears throat> right? <laughs> <clears throat> right? I, think I don't hear anything. Galad <laughs> says, uh, please agree to go to Camelin. And Nynaeve, Nynaeve says something like, yeah, we'll go <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> oh, as she's... I mean, this is just a, a whole bunch of hypocritical stuff from Nynaeve. And it, it accumulates in what may be one of my favorite Nynaeve sentences. And I, I think it's just the typical example. Men always seem to think violence could solve anything. 
If she had a stout stick, she would have thumped all three of them about the shoulders until they saw reason. <laughs> Beat some sense into you. The beatings will continue until morale improves. Next thing the man would want would be to pack her in a lane in wool and sit them on a shelf. Good thing to have two additional pairs. Well, three eyes, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Uno Reagan, that was, that was great. <laughs> one eye's better than zero. Uh, in, the, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, as they say. Um, so we just need to teleport Uno to a land of the blind. Bloody blind bastards. I skipped forward a bit because there's this long conversation between Nynaeve and Galad, and I feel like we covered most of it pretty easily. Um, I did like this point I had, that I had started reading when Nynaeve says, thinks, next thing the man would want would be to pack her in a lane and wool and sit them on a shelf. And then she thinks, wouldn't it be best if someone did? A tiny voice asked. Haven't you caused enough trouble going your own way? She told the voice to be quiet. It did not listen but began listing disasters and near disasters sprung from her own stubbornness. Well, as we've said before, Nynaeve never saw a trap she didn't want to get into. <laughs> Nynaeve's having a bit of a real moment. Uh-huh. Here. It's like, um, ooh, ooh, look at that. Yeah, I may have fucked up once or twice. You know those moments when you're lying awake in bed and you're thinking back to fifth grade, that time when you went to... Oh, yeah. <laughs> ask the girl out. And Happens to all of us. <laughs> instead of tugging on her sleeve, you accidentally pulled on her hair and then ran away. And when you ran away, you fell and scraped your knee and then cried all day. I don't remember nice. that at all. Yeah. <laughs> that was too specific to not have happened. <laughs> yep. No comment. No comment. So I feel like Nynaeve is having one of those moments about the past years to be like, hey, I was this hotshot, knew everything, controlled everything, and since then, I've kind of gotten by by the skin of my teeth, and I've gotten lucky, and I've had all these near disasters or total disasters, and, you know, I think she needs to gain confidence in her own decision-making again. And that takes a while. Yeah. Because the disaster with Gallad and the Prophet don't help. Oh, jeez. Good job, Nynaeve. You started a riot. And uh, maybe finding a little confidence after her harrowing experience in Teleran Riyadh that we were just discussing. <clears throat> it it is on her mind all the time. It was some time ago, but it's in it's in her mind a lot. She re re it's sort of what started the change, and she ruminates on it a lot. And I think it doesn't really settle down. And I want to say until there's a point after Egwene is Amrlin, and she's like, "Listen, you say you support me." But you don't treat me like Amarlin. And I feel like Nynaeve sort of goes, oh, you're right, and makes that adjustment. And that is um, sort of the bookends of her going from Egwene putting her down and saying, don't lie and don't mess up and tell Iran Riyadh, however questionable the way she did that was, to the point where... And that's the first time Nynaeve ever really gets seriously put down by Egwene, to the point where she's like, okay, yes, Egwene is my superior, I report to her, she's the Amarlin. Yeah, that's a big, a big step for her, just being in a place mentally where she can say, you know what, you're right, I was wrong in this situation. That, that's very difficult for Nynaeve. <laughs> very, very, very difficult. And, you know, it, it's starting with her saying she's sorry and admitting here that she's actually wrong. Like, these disasters occasionally she's not right you know then that that's just like kind of blowing her mind a little bit she's not always right she's being taught that slowly through beatings and fear 
Oh, wait, Sakan, you're saying Nynaeve is learning? Since when? <laughs> it's very slow. It's very difficult to, to observe because the process is very, very slow. <laughs> I would say the only process that's slower is Rand's. It's like watching grass grow. You can't really. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like Egwene has a couple of moments where she changes, but they're, she does, I never feel like she grows as much as Nynaeve in terms of character growth and change in terms of who she is. Egwene's always Egwene. She just gets more powerful and better at it. I agree. Part of me really wants to say that Nynaeve has a little further to go. It, she has to unlearn being the wisdom before she can take the journey she needed to set out off. That's on. definitely accurate. Whereas Egwene just started her journey. And so in a lot of ways, you had to sort of accomplish Nynaeve on her breaking her down before you could build her back up again. And that's a longer, when you say a longer way to go, I think that's what you're saying, is like, she had to do that unlearning first. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it. That she believes that she has a role, and she walks out into the world, she tries to push this role that she believes she has, or this authority that she believes she has onto the world, and people just kind of, you know, laugh, or whatever. She has to learn that the wisdom of the two rivers is just that, the wisdom of the two rivers. Outside of the two rivers, it doesn't really mean very much. I liked this in a moment. Nynaeve sends Gallet away with his instructions, and Nynaeve starts walking in the opposite direction, and the Shannarans just continue to follow her. She says, Are you following me because Masima told you to look after me? She demanded, or because Gallet did? What flaming difference does it make? Uno muttered. If the Lord Dragon has summoned you, you bloody well... He cut off, frowning as she raised one finger. Reagan eyed it as if it were a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> do you mean to help Elaine and me reach Rand? We've nothing better to do, Reagan said dryly. As it is, we'll not see Shinar again till we're gray and toothless. We might as well ride with you to Tyr or wherever he is. And I th thought that was demonstrative of a couple of different things. And I just enjoyed that. The bonds are cut. Reagan and Uno don't plan on returning to Shinar, ever, if necessary. And they're going to go where Nynaeve goes, and they're kind of hoping that's toward Rand, so they can be close to the dragon in these last days. Right, because if you remember, at the end of Book 2, The Great Hunt, they pledged themselves to Rand to go where he wanted them to go. The only reason they're not still on that path is because the of where uh, Moraine sent them, there wasn't a contact there. So they're trying to find their way back to him so they can basically be uh, his soldiers again. And obviously they know Nynaeve is close to him. And also they want to get away from Masima because yeah. dude's a little nuts. Uno like, hates that garbage. He is... Yeah. yeah, and that's why there's like, there's 17 of us still alive, or 18 of us still alive, but Masima's obviously the prophet, and two of them are dedicated to that junk. So we aren't getting those two. But 15 of us can come with you. Yeah, and a, a few died, apparently, of the original... Was it 20? It was 20 or 25. I don't remember the exact number. Does anyone remember the number of original Shinarans that left with Rand to hunt the horn? Yeah, that's a good trivia question. You're right, Margo. Uh, Uno does mention that several died. Sev one is the prophet, and several are his converts, if you can call it that. I don't really know what to call it. Fools. His idiots. His people. His yeah. rabble. Yeah. Lieutenant prophets? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Steph says, I think 20 plus Ingtar and Hurin. I'm going to go with that. That sounds most correct to me. Ingtar is a leader of the 20 and a sniffer to guide them. 
I'm gonna not, I'm nodding to that. That sounds right. Um, after a couple of paragraphs, of course, Nynaeve's like, well, you can just go ahead and forget about Masima and Galad, basically. She's like, if you're traveling with me, then you're my men now and you'll do as I say, or you can go and do your own thing. And she was like, as long as you're with my group, you're under my command. And the Shinarans are like, yeah, sure, fine. <laughs> they don't flinch at that at all. No, the same, the same thing she got out of Tom and Julian. Um, do what I say or else you can't come with me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. It's her errand. Well, her and Elaine's errand, and Egwene's. And her money, kind of. They do have a lot of money. Shellerific is right in saying her and went back to Shinar to report to Agalmar. That's the that's one of the books that we want <laughs> to come out of Watt, if anything else comes out. Hurin's story. Yeah, Hurin would be great. It would be cool to watch what's happening in the Borderlands, too. Yeah, because we sort of don't get any POVs for them for a long time. Just until they come down. Uh, Reagan brings up the others first. Because Nynaeve says, if you two are going to follow me, then you need to follow my rules. And they're like, yeah, sure. The other 15 will probably agree as well. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> There's 15? Nynaeve's like, sweet, my own personal army, essentially. Is it 15 total or other 15? It's a 17 total. Uh, Reagan says, there are only 15 of us altogether now. Altogether, okay. And then Bartu or Nengar will not come. Well, they're probably sniffing after the bloody prophet. Yeah. Nynaeve can sometimes be a little callous. She's like, wait, how did your friends die? Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> Actually, this story's getting kind of long. But sometimes, if you've ever listened to war stories, they can sometimes get a little um, old. Oh, man, I didn't mention this yesterday, but I usually mention it if I go watch a movie. Me and Jules went to go see 1917 on the big screen. Um, at the very end, I found it touching that there's just some words on the screen that says basically, thank you to, and I forget the gentleman's name, but thank you to so-and-so for telling us these stories. Oh, nice. I noticed that he had the same surname as one of the producers of the film or the director. So I just wondered if it was the guy's grandpa that like told these crazy stories that spurred the movie. Pretty cool. By the way, everyone visually stunning. Definitely go see it. It's worth it. <laughs> Uh, Obi Thunder says it was Sam Mendes directed, and it was his granddad. Yes, he believes. I think I, I think that's right. Mendes, that sounds right. Nynaeve also tells the Shinarans that they are to stay away from the menagerie. They're to report to her once each evening, unless they find a ship and then come immediately. But for no other reason should they be anywhere nearby. And also come to her for money. Their loyalty is with Rand, but the reason they're staying with Masima is for the money. And so she's like, hey, I will pay you. Well, for survival, that's fair. Yeah. And of course, then she, then she spends a bunch of time going like, oh my god, how much is this going to cost me? Fifteen Shinarans? Jesus. Oh, yeah. She's like, how many hams does it take to feed 15 men? <laughs> when I was reading that, I was like, Nynaeve? <laughs> a lot of hams. How many hams? You're going to have to roast a whole pig. <laughs> Every day. Like, Every day. <laughs> I bet some of these guys like Uno or Reagan could sit down and eat a whole ham. I mean, if you'd let them, yeah. Soldiers know when to eat, as they say. <laughs> um, and Nynaeve returns to the menagerie. We see there's a new girl, a, um, what's the word, uh, acrobat? Contortionist. That's a better word. Oh, there's one more quote from Nynaeve to the Shinarans I have to read. She says, 
If I must explain my every decision to you, I'll have time for nothing else, so you must make the best of it. And that is almost word for word a Moraine quote yeah. to her when she was asking <laughs> questions. And you're like, you have become what you despise. You are I said I. You are treating other people exactly the way you detested I said I for being treated. She does that a lot now because now she, that she's basically claiming to be I said I and she runs into the same issues, she's like, I kind of have to like not lie the way they do, which means I kind of have to manipulate the way people the way they do, which means I kind of have to like, and I have all these secrets. The hypocriticalness is something she's still facing, even though like her arrogance and her confidence may have been uh, taken down a notch. Now she's like worried about a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, life isn't so simple, Nynaeve. Who'd have thunk it? Things are more complicated outside of the two rivers. And then I love to think about the fact that she's outside the two rivers to protect the two rivers folks, who none of whom she's anywhere near. <laughs> that was the original purpose, but like Moraine said, she's a part of it. And she's grown beyond that now. Her goals have become subsumed in other goals, and, and that's all become secondary to becoming Aes Sedai and saving the world. It's definitely a sign of her growth. Yeah, Sagan. Her her world became bigger than the two rivers, and suddenly she was didn't she's not just protecting the two rivers, folks. She has to protect the whole world. That's how I see Nynaeve. Nodding to that. Um, when Nynaeve returns, we see uh, Brigitte's really into being in her low necked red gown. <laughs> she's like all about it. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I liked that. I like that about Brigitte and that uh, Nynaeve's so opposite. Brigitte's like, what? I look great. <laughs> no, I mean, because you have all the body shaming from the two rivers, it's nice to, nice to see someone who's not inhibited in that same way. At all, it, yeah. Yeah, just doesn't have the, li- li- like, guilt. <laughs> yeah, when that one time when she barges in on Nynaeve and Nynaeve's, like, goes to cover herself, and Brigitte's like, don't fidget, just breathe deep if you want to bring attention. Because... <laughs> Because Nynaeve thought it was Val and Luca who was about to burst in. So she was just, like, pulling it down a little bit just to show it off. Come on, Brigida. Could be. Luca hired the new girl, bought some leopards. And Luca hired the new girl from another show that was destroyed by a mob who thought, I think, a woman doing sleight of hand or something was an Aes Sedai. Which is ridiculous and also believable. A woman of the shawl. Well, that's, you know, when white cloaks are around, that's what they like to do, is stir up mobs against witches, as we would call them, you know, basically innocent women who are either unliked or do herbs or, you know, sleight of hand. The white cloaks would burn Vegas to the ground. (laughs) Definitely. Um, I kind of like this little part here. Brigitte was more interested in Masima's intentions on the one hand and the Shinarans on the other. It seemed she had encountered borderlanders in previous lives, though their nations had had different names, and thought well of them by and large. She said little, really, but she appeared to approve of holding on to the Shinarans. Just thought that was a nice uh, little character-building moment when we mm-hmm. see that uh, immediately Brigitte's like, oh, a bunch of borderlanders? Yeah. <laughs> They're always good. I like how Nynaeve's telling her story and the entire time Elaine's like, fool, idiot. Really, like just muttering in the side, being like dumbass. <laughs> really, really, you went, you went to talk to the prophet. You just walked into the city, walked into the prophet, and then you spoke to Galad. I, uh, 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 I can just picture Elaine sitting there with her ha- head in her hands, just being like, I cannot believe this just happened. Yeah, and uh, a little bit more character building 
at the end. This is like toward the beginning of my readout here, but Elaine now chastises Nynaeve as well, even though he just went through this with her brother. Elaine says, you worried everybody and risked everything. I know, Nynaeve managed to get out. Elaine looked at her suspiciously. I'm skipping some lines here. You know? And Nynaeve says, I know I risked everything. I should have talked with you, asked you. I know I've been a fool. I should not be allowed outside without a keeper. It all came in a breathless rush. Suspicion became concern. Are you all right? <laughs> Elaine says. <laughs> Did he just admit that you were wrong? Whoa. Weird. Um, she tells them that she remembered about Saladar, and they're like, really? Because you were trying to remember? But, yeah. Tur- turns out she's right. Before they go shoot arrows at her, Nynaeve's like, let me tell you the secret in case I die, so you can get to Saladar. And by the way, I'm convinced the whole reason she went into town and was trying to stay away is that so she wouldn't get shot at by arrows. She was hoping she'd get back too late to get shot at. She really doesn't want to do it. No, she really doesn't want to do it. And the whole reason she tried to get the ship done, ship is so that she could have the ship by that night so she wouldn't have to get shot at. <laughs> it's not, she's not scared right. of Mogadian. She's not worried about Mogadian. She's not like, oh, no, Mogadian's going to find us. She's worried about Mogadian. They get out of the menagerie. Mogadian knows they're there. She's already tracked them down. She's going to get on the damn ship with them. She's probably watching them right now. Run. Nope. It's not what she's worried about. She's worried about Brigida shooting at her with arrows. I mean, you know, if anyone was going to shoot at me, I'd pick Brigida Silverbow. She does not miss. (laughs) I mean... You got Tom and Brigida, and it's like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll just throw throw sharp things at me. I'm good. I suppose that's much easier for me to say, having read these books. Nynaeve does not know what the future is. Elaine gave her a dubious frown, but nodded at last. You were sure about Saladar? She did not wait for an answer, but hurried off to one side, folding the shawl. For some reason, Nynaeve could not work up a proper indignation over the question, or Elaine not waiting. Her breath was coming so fast that she was dimly aware that she might come right out of the dress's low neck. Yet, even that could not catch her. Yet even that thought could not catch her. The sun filled her view. Had she squinted, she might have been able to make out Brigida after a fashion. But her eyes had a will of their own, increasingly widening. There was nothing she could do now. It was a punishment for taking foolish risks. She could manage only the tiniest peak over being pushed after working everything out so well. And Elaine did not even believe her about Saladar. She would have to take it stoically. She would, seemingly out of nowhere, an arrow chunked into the wood, vibrating against her right wrist, and stoic resolve broke into a low wail. It was all she could do to keep her knee straight. A second arrow brushed the other wrist, producing a slightly higher pitch to her yelp. She could as soon stop Brigida's shafts as silence herself. Arrow by arrow, the yelps rose higher, and it seemed to her almost as if the crowd was cheering her cries. The louder she shrieked, the louder they cheered and applauded. By the time she was outlined from knees to head, the applause was thunderous. In truth, she felt some irritation at the finish, when the crowd all rushed to throng around Brigida, leaving her standing there staring at the fletchings around her. Some still quivered. She still quivered. Pushing away, she scurried off toward the wagons as quickly as she could before anyone noticed how much her legs were wobbling. Not that anyone was paying any attention to her. All she had done was stand there and pray Brigida did not sneeze or get an itch. And tomorrow, she would have to go through it again. That, 
or let Elaine, and worse, Brigida, know that she could not face it. When Uno came that night asking after Nana, she told him in no uncertain terms to prod Massima as much as he dared, and to find Galad, and tell him he must find a boat quickly, whatever it required. Then she took to her bed without eating, and tried to make herself believe that she could convince Elaine and Brigida that she was too ill to stand against that wall, only she was all too certain they would know exactly what her illness was. That even Brigida would likely be all sympathy just made it worse. One of those fool men had to find a riverboat. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, man. <laughs> I know I'm right. Oh, aren't I always? Maybe, well, maybe I need a, some foul-tasting tea. Thinking about being shot at, and then the next thought is, I need to find that boat ASAP. So... That's have I have to get the heck out of here. Menagerie. <laughs> it's not that kind of circus. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I don't know what they're up to after hours, but the acrobats and the the trapeze artists, yeah, you know, they're in good shape. <laughs> Why do you think Latell's so pissed? She wants all the men for herself. Yeah, well. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.